Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. You'll want to sit tight this hour as host Mike Abadir and co-host Gino Bacola talk to the experts, celebrities, and figures from the worlds of sports and business of sports. We cover the NFL, baseball, basketball, soccer, and horse racing, so we have all of the bases covered. Now, we just need your participation. Here is your host, Mike Abadir. Oh, here we are. It's April 23rd, 2020. It is the Mike Abadir Show. I'm Gino Bacola, sitting next to Mike Abadir. And Mike, it's nice because today is the NFL Draft Day. Uh, in a world where there are not a whole lot of uh, things going on in uh, in the sports departments, we're going to get a little normalcy back today in uh, just about an hour from now. It's probably going to be one of the most viewed sports-related events that we've seen in years. This that's, is going to be That's kind of what I'm thinking. Yeah, and it's it's interesting draft, too. Um, there's a, There's been a lot talked about. I mean, in, in leading up to the draft, obviously, like all, all these rumors the last few days, like all these different, you know, smoke screens. Are they, are they real? Are they just, you know, a, a bunch of BS from teams just trying to, you know, put – put information out there so they can maybe get the better end of one uh, of a deal in some way, shape or form. But, but there's been a lot going on out there and this draft in particular, it looks like at least the draft will probably start at, at pick number three. But, but before we even get into the draft, cause we'll probably spend a whole lot of time talking about it. There was a big trade and big news in the NFL world earlier this week, Mike, you and I were just talking about it before the show started. We're going to have, Rob Gronkowski, the current WWE 24-7 champion, who's going to be uh, uh, heading to Tampa to join his old buddy, Tom Brady, with the Bucks. Now, let me ask you a question, being the WWE fan and, and connoisseur that I know you to be. I'd been reading some things. Obviously, the big news last week with the WWE was uh, the layoffs and things of that nature. Bummer. Yep. And... It's hard for me. I'm an outsider. I don't follow this stuff. So I just see one set of numbers and they can be interpreted differently by somebody else, like any data. Right. And I saw that viewership has been on the decline, which is a little bit surprising to me because I thought it was still kind of on the uptick. And that's why you got Fox and ESPN and others that are trying to participate in this. I guess my question for you is if they're kind of on a slight down course because maybe they can't have live, you know, events with an audience and things of that nature. Do you think that at all played into Gronk's decision-making? Mm. You know, do you think if it was like rolling red hot selling out arenas week in week out, and he got to see that, you know, on a weekly basis. And now he's one of the central figures and he's like, I'm loving this. Do you think he would have still gone back to the NFL? No, no, yes. I think it more had to do with, cause I think, I don't know if he was ever going to be a guy that's in the wrestling ring all the time. I don't. I think he might have been someone that they use, like his buddy Mojo is a wrestler. So I think I could see them using him to help kind of like further some of those storylines or just kind of how they had him hosting stuff. To me, I think the whole thing happened with Brady leaving. I don't think he wanted to go back to New England. See, I just don't think he wanted to go back to to another Belichick season. And have to work. I, I, think, through, I think you nailed it right there. And, and go I through think all of this that. This is kind of a, a referendum on on Bill Belichick. And you know, and when he's the one of the greatest of all time, right? We, we, it's just 
when you're at the point of the the career where Gronk is and Brady is now, like we're not, I'm not trying to say that Brady's going to take it easy, but he knows and Gronk knows what they need out of each other. Like he knows what he needs to ask and get out of Gronk. I think it's just going to be a much different situation. I mean, we talked, um, you know, we had some quotes about Arians. I think it was just a few weeks ago when we were talking about how different, um, the, the world that he lives in from a coaching standpoint is compared to Belichick, where he said, you know what? There's no reason why you can't get things done and go home and have a life after football. You know, like he just has a different way about doing it. And it's and he's had some, some plenty of success in his day, too. So to me, it was just, hey, you know what? Tampa, I can go down there. There's not some there's some nice weather. I can have some fun down there. You know what? If I want to go to WWE, I can always do it in a year or two. You know, I can always do it after, but I don't have many more years or all that much mileage left on me as far as the NFL is concerned. Yeah, exactly right. And and yeah, that was Greg Almond that was kind of giving us some insight, you know, as he yep. covers the Buccaneers. And uh, yeah, I think it's, look, I think that Brady probably was able to give him a pretty concise sales pitch, which with something along the lines of, hey, I know it's, I've only been here a short time, but based on my conversations, they run things very differently. It's very efficient, yet it's what we're asked to do is very different than what we were asked to do in New England mm-hmm. for the following reasons. And most importantly, I think we're going to have a looser, funner environment. Let's give this a shot one more time and, and be legends in Florida as we already are in New England. And I think there's something that's very compelling about that. You know what I mean? Like, hey, let's do this one more time. And if it doesn't work out, kind of like we talked about on that show when Brady first, you know, the move was first announced. If if it doesn't turn out the way we wanted to, it was just Tampa Bay. Well, and the, it's the, not like said, the New York media or Boston media. Well, and, just, and they're it, not. They didn't break anything up, right? This has no. just been a team that has been like a perennial, like what between five to eight nine win team that's yeah. about it like that's that's the world that they've lived in you have to go try something like this you absolutely have to take a swing even just like looking at the moves in like individually you didn't have to like give up anything for Brady yeah and, and then and then in the Gronk trade you got you traded a fourth rounder and you got back Gronk and a seventh rounder you know, I mean, it wasn't like you had to give up a whole ton to do this. It's it's absolutely worth worth trying because you know what's going to happen at the very least, Mike? You're going to sell a hell of a lot of jerseys. You're going to sell way more tickets than you would have if there are going to be people there. Even if there's no one around, you're still going to get people buying Brady Bucks jerseys, Gronk Bucks jerseys. And as far as whenever we come back, people are going to care and, and they're going to be watching those Tampa games. There's going to be a lot more Tampa games that get flexed or that are, you know, getting like major coverage more than we've ever seen before. All of all of what they did now is at the very least going to give going to give them some money back. Look, there's a lot of really, really good, talented tight ends in the NFL, but there are very few that have a lot of flair and personality and are you say Gronk, known in you know every household. That's it, Gronk. Yeah. You just have to say and Gronk. are known in every household. Gronk is one of them. So it's very different than, you know, getting one of the really good tight ends from Philadelphia or, you know, one of the many good tight ends in this league. Gronk is his own brand. It's his own label. Mm-hmm. And he gets teamed up with, you know, uh, Tom Brady, to some, the greatest of all time. 
definitely the greatest winner in NFL history. So it should be pretty fun. And hey, look, on the flip side, the Patriots, they got something out of this thing, right? He was going to be retired. If he stayed retired, you know, they don't get anything. Mm-hmm. Now, they got something to work with. You're so right. It, it works, doesn't it hurt them well either. For everybody. It doesn't hurt them either. They, they, they just get something from it. They, they basically turn their he, – like, he was not going to go play for New England ever. No, he was he was not. No, so, and we, so what we you knew did that, is, by the way, when we saw that clip, it was almost exactly a year ago, where you saw him getting teary eyed talking about why he needed to get out of football. And I think to me, if you add it all up, you put one and one together. Clearly, it was just the New England way. And to me, it makes it more remarkable that he was able to put up with it for so long. And and look. If people are wondering, well, what do you mean? They won a lot of games. What was the problem? We didn't hear about anything. That's kind of part of it, is that you have this like pressure cooker building up, and you never have the release. That's what it's like playing yep. in New England. Yep. And you're going right. to win a lot right. of games, but it's going gonna, it's gonna to weigh you down at some point. And interestingly enough, and it's not talked about, not very many guys have longevity in New England. No, and there's a lot of turnover. because A lot of turnover. It's a great point because it, it's, a, it's a hard way to do it right you can if you let like it's a great place to go if you are someone and and they do a really good job of like money balling it over there too you know like finding value in like an old veteran or maybe someone who's coming off of an injury or maybe a player who was like highly projected but is hasn't really been in the right fit that's that's some of the best thing that belichick does he actually isn't a really a great drafter you know no. like he he actually finds players who have like some other tape throughout the league and he can put him in a great spot but you made a great point they don't stay there for the for as long as Brady did and and that's the thing like we're, we're talking about Brady and Gronk like we're not talking about like an, an Antonio Brown head case we're talking about like two guys like even Gronk for all of his like goofiness and personality he's never been spoken of as anything but like a really hard worker even even someone who is a party animal and someone who is a great teammate yeah. And and he does a hell of a job. Like he's like that's the thing we we forget about Gronk is like he's one of the best blockers in the league, like tight end blockers in the league too. He wasn't just a guy who could go out there and catch the ball. Like he was just a good teammate. So when these guys got a little frustrated and felt the need to leave, you mentioned it. It's just like it boils over year after year after year, and not being able to kind of at least kind of just have that release, speak your mind a little bit, um, have a little have a little bit of like me time. And we saw Brady kind of stepping out of that bubble a little bit the last few years, he was kind of bigger than New England, you know, almost with what he's done in his career. And it just, I never thought he was going to go back this year. And I, this is just fun. This is fun for us, for like football fans, for, you know, for fantasy football fans too, because they're going to be a team that's got a good looking offense on paper, right? Like they have a good amount of weapons now. They need a hell of a lot of help on the defensive end of the ball, but just uh, when Brady drops back and he's going to be playing in warmer weather, um, we would, you know, we're assuming he he's going to have a lot of options. Yeah, and I think the relationship started to probably sour a little bit when uh, there was internal conversations about whether Garoppolo was their quarterback of the future, whether it was Brady. What do we do? Obviously, Kraft has uh, had his way, and Brady was the one that they kept. But that's going to clearly cause some somewhat of a I don't want to say a rift, but it's going to be an issue between the head coach and the quarterback. I don't care how confident or accomplished that you are. Interestingly enough, Lynch 
general manager of the 49ers foolishly revealed that, yeah, we did have internal conversations about bringing Brady in. And I think when you say something like that, it's the beginning of the end for that quarterback, that that relationship, that trust, this, who, that is no you good. are who, who, our guy. Who did that serve? It serves nobody. Once Look, it has to be you are our guy. Yeah, and the but- moment that there's any kind of maybe you are our guy or we thought about it, it's basically like saying like, hey, honey, I love you. I'm going to go on a couple dates, but I'm probably going to get back with you. <laughs> you know, that's it. That's it for the relationship. You're toast. And that's the exact same thing between a team and a quarterback. So that's, uh, yeah, it doesn't serve any purpose. Staying along the lines of a quarterback and bringing it back to what's going to happen today, Adam Schefter is reporting that Bengals president Mike Brown officially welcomed Joe Burrow to Cincinnati yesterday. Yep. They, and, they, they and that there was a, and he sent Burrow a letter that said, amongst other things, and I quote, that he looks forward to building championship football teams with you for many years to come. Kind of a spoiler uh, thing yeah. for, for Schefter, to, Schefter to kind of uh, put, put out there, and I don't know how that leaked, but uh, being involved with a leak recently within the last month and a half or so, I uh, see that these things can leak very easily, and it's unfortunate when they do. You kind of want Burrow himself to be able to celebrate that moment with his family and friends on his terms and not to have Adam Schefter, you know, same thing with the team, same thing with the league and ESPN and all the different affiliates that are covering the event too. They don't want that out of the bag already, but it is what it is, Gino. Yeah, it looks like we know that there's not going to be a trade involving Burrow and that first overall pick. And it doesn't look like number two either because actually what it looks like the Redskins they're kind of in an interesting situation. They're in talks to trade Trent Williams. You know, they've had issues with with their offensive lineman, Trent Williams, for a while now. And there seem to be a lot of teams that are thinking about moving up in this draft to get one of the big, I think there are four offensive tackles that are very highly projected that could maybe even go into the top, like, 11 picks or so. And so maybe, you know, using someone like Trent, Trent Williams as trade bait, they can, you know, get something... It seems to me like they're going to go chase Young because I think they're in a situation where they need a lot of help. Um, and so for them, it seems like just get the best player available. A lot of people have Young and as the, like, the number one player on the board. To me, it feels like the number three spot is probably where this draft begins with the Lions. And they're kind of sitting in a spot looking around going, OK, any team that needs a quarterback, hey, give us a call. Let's. What are you willing to offer us? You want to come up to three? You need to get a quarterback. You want to get uh, Tua. You like Herbert? I mean, wh- wh- you know, you want one of these big offensive linemen? Give us a call. It looks like the the Lions and the Giants are actually, um, you know, looking to other teams, and and they're not. They don't have a problem with moving down a little bit if they would have to. Interestingly enough, you have people like Rick Saratella, who is actually bucking the trend and saying that Detroit will go for Tua, that that could be the third pick is That'd for Tua. Cool. And, you, and you've heard other reports, too, saying that the Giants may already be moving off of their quarterback that they just <laughs> took last that? year yeah. and making a pick at quarterback there, too. So, yeah, I think we know what we know to be the case right now, but that might be very different, Gino, in oh, an hour all, and a half. It could all change. It could all change. I think when we look at what makes the most sense – 
For the Lions, it would probably be they need a cornerback for sure. And the one that, that on most of the mocks, and when you kind of look around, if they're not going to do anything crazy like take a quarterback and go after Tua, it's probably someone like uh, Jeff Okuda who they look to. And uh, I think for the for the Giants, if they're going to play it safe, if they end up making their pick, the smart pick for them would be offensive lineman. There, if you're gonna if you're gonna say, okay, we feel like we got our quarterback l- last year, we're going to give him at least a couple years. We got our running back. Now we need to continue to build a line in front of them. That would make a lot of sense for them to go offensive line. So if we're, you know, obviously all of these teams can trade up, can trade down. I think if those two teams stay there, it's probably the most likely way they go. And then we get to five, Mike. Um, and, and this is the most interesting team in the entire draft, the Dolphins. They've got a lot of stock to work with. And, you know, just listening to you kind of play things out, I kind of get the sense, and this was going to be a hypothetical that I was going to put out there, um, asking you to wear your GM hat for a moment. Are you a fill-the-need type general manager, or are you the best available type GM? I got the sense, just by listening to you, that you'd be looking to fill needs as you evaluated each team, where they're at, and the need that they have. Can they fill that need in that draft spot? That's kind of the sense I get from you. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I'm I'm probably pretty pretty evenly split in between um, the two of them. But in certain situations, like I think there are some teams where you when you need a lot, it's just a best player available. Like if you need a lot, if you have a lot of picks in this draft, then I think you shouldn't get too cute. Who's the best guy you have on your board that's left wherever they are? Just take them. I think if you're a team like you know maybe a team like the Chargers or teams like um, you know, the, the 49ers, maybe Broncos teams that aren't that far off f- from winning, being really, really competitive. Um, th- that's definitely where I'm more in. Hey, what specific need do we have? Like I look at the 49ers here and I think, okay, they're a team who probably needs a couple things in this draft. They probably need some defensive line replacement. They got rid of Buckner, but they really could use a, a wide receiver. You know, they lost Sanders too. So for me, I'm looking at them going, they need to, to target a wide receiver at some point. Um, is it whether it be with their pick uh, number 13, it, maybe they trade that down and they, they get a couple extra picks. I don't know, but those to me, so I think it depends on the team, like the, the, the worse you are as a team, the more I want to just start stacking talent, and I'm not quite as worried about what the needs are. Yeah, and by the way, that's the very first playoff team selection that we're going to get to in the draft is that 13th slot with San Francisco. All the 12 teams uh, that will go in front of them were not playoff teams from 2019. Gino, let's take a commercial break. When we come back, we'll pick up from the number five slot that you were asking about Miami, talk about some of the other storylines and whether these teams should be drafting based on need or best available. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Want to play the ponies and win? At Winning Ponies, we go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, and handicappers. The Winning Ponies Radio Show with John Englehart, racing's regular guy, is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. 
Catch us live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Win prizes just for calling in. Have we got a high-energy, all-access sports show for you. It's Outside the Huddle, starring Lemond Williams. Each week, join Lemond as he takes callers, discusses the week's top stories in the world of sports, and sits down with active and former players to discuss their transition from sports to business. Outside the Huddle is a great resource for players making career transitions both on and off the field. Tune in Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 Central, and 5 Pacific. For Outside the Huddle on the Voice America Sports Channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Okay, Mike, so we're up to pick number five. It's the Dolphins. Um, Let's say for just uh, the, the purpose of this question and exercise that it's Bengals burrow Redskins chase young let's say Lions go cornerback uh, and let's say Giants go offensive line so let's say at this point two is available Herbert's available you have your choice of you know three of the stud offensive linemen that are still there available you can you know basically take your pick of any of the uh, the stud defensive players that are out and about where do you go with the Dolphins so, uh, just to be clear, you're asking what I would do if I'm the GM. You're yeah. not asking me what I what, think no, is what, what happen. You, not what you think. What What is the best for the Dolphins? What would be the best thing for them to do? Best thing for them to do would be to... This is wild. All right? So, I'm going to give you a kind of a wild... It's kind of a best thing for them to do and something I think they should do. Okay. I don't know if they will do it. It's one of two things. Number one, a lot of people forget the Texans named their head coach, Bill O'Brien, as the general manager, the team's general manager. We haven't seen that happen at the NFL level in quite some time. Jimmy Johnson is the name that comes to mind who did it very, very well. And even that, you could say he wasn't totally the GM because Jerry Jones is the GM. I think it's a foolish move. But that's for another conversation, Gino. Word is, he desperately wants to get into the first round. The Dolphins have a lot of draft stock. I think this is an opportunity. If that relationship is truly tarnished, Dolphins can make the pitch to make a play for Deshaun Watson. This is their time to do it right now, to get that franchise quarterback who's still very young, 24 years old, who's tested, playoff-tested, a little bit injury prone, but he's the guy that could lead them into the next, you know, prosperity in the next seven to ten years with a down New England Patriots. That's what I think they it's should funny. do. It's funny. And that's it's, what they should do. It's funny because it's like my initial thought would be like, come on, man. The Texans wouldn't be stupid enough to do that. And then yeah, I, yeah, I yeah, stop right? myself. I stop myself. Yeah. I, I stop myself because I had to say, you know what? They might be. 
they, they might, might very well be. might be they very well that. might be and if you're someone like Miami and you maybe make them a godfather offer that's not a bad kind of a little bit outside of the box thing sure. you know it, it's really not so, so i'm going to give you one more wild yeah, yeah. outside the box idea okay and this is going to require a little bit of a gambling mindset by Miami but take the best available and Forget about the quarterbacks for this year. You've got Fitz, and you've basically committed to have him be the starter this year anyways. So why don't we make a play for Trevor Lawrence next year? We've got a ton of picks over the next two years. Let's gamble and trade it to a team who we think is likely to have the first overall pick next year. And you may say, well, that's really, really difficult to do. There's probably five or six teams who are in contention for that. Maybe the maybe the Bengals again, maybe the Redskins, maybe Detroit, et cetera. But you could kind of see after the first three picks who got their quarterback and who won't be getting a quarterback next year. So in theory, you could trade for potentially the first overall pick. And if the pick you have ends up being the third or fourth overall pick, you still might be okay. You still might be okay because maybe the teams ahead of you already have their quarterback. They ain't going to be taking Trevor Lawrence anyways. That would be the play that I would go for. And I think you've got enough picks. You could game it to put yourself in a good enough position to do it. Now, I partly, partially say that because I think outside of JB, first overall pick, I'm not terribly enamored with the quarterbacks in, in this draft especially in the first round, the ones of the first round grade. I would not use a valuable first round draft pick on any quarterback besides Burrow. So that's where I am coming from, Gino. So that's what I would do is package him up, try to make a play for Lawrence, because I think Lawrence is one of those guys, like an Andrew Luck, like an Elway, like a Peyton Manning, one of those guys that is going to be a first overall pick that's going to pan out. And and, and so like that's what makes this draft interesting, because after Burrow – are they are going are we going to get teams that need the quarterback or need a quarterback in the future that look at Tua as that guy or are they going to sit and think about maybe next year you know we look at teams like well the dolphins we just mentioned the chargers the jags also uh i mean with the three of them they're probably looking and wondering i mean a team like the raiders too you know you wonder what they're thinking from a quarterback pers- like perspective standpoint moving forward so you know, there are three or four of these different teams that really we don't know. Like, you know, then we get past Dolphins, like the Chargers. Do they like Tua? Do they like Herbert? Or do they want to grab one of them? Because they may not think that they're going to be the worst team in the league next year with an opportunity to get someone like Lawrence. Um, so maybe they go, okay, you know what? This is the best that we're going to have a chance to get our next guy. We may not have another top 10, top six pick like this again, where we're going to get an opportunity. So do we take a big swing right now and, and get one of them while we have a chance to? Yeah, I mean, and here's the thing, Gino. What we've, well, the trend that we're seeing more and more is that teams aren't as committed to even these first-round quarterbacks as long as they used to. Before, it was pretty much, you know, even if we're wrong about a uh, about Russell, uh, I forgot his name even, Jamarcus? Was it Jamarcus Russell? Uh, yeah, Jamarcus Russell. Jamarcus, excuse me. Uh, that's how much of a bust he was. I couldn't even remember his first name. Uh, <laughs> you know, even even when you're talking about uh, Demarcus Russell, somebody who was absolutely terrible, 
they were still given three years. And a big reason for that shift where you now you have teams that maybe after two seasons will make another move. Hey, you were actually because- right. It was Jamarcus. Jamarcus. Okay. Yeah, I thought so because so, it, it just sounded weird when you said DeMar- DeMar- DeMarcus like that. Yeah. So you were but, right. Well, You're right. Thanks for looking that up. It's always good to be uh, accurate for us. So the the interesting thing about it is the rookie pool allocation changed after the 2011 CBA. So you no longer are as committed financially, even to the first round rookie quarterbacks as you once were, meaning it's not absolutely devastating for your team to make a pick in 2017 at the quarterback position and then come back around in 2019 or 2020 and select a quarterback again. I bring that up because there's going to be a team out there that's going to look at it like that. Let's take Tua. We've got two years to find out if he's healthy or not. And if he's not, we can make a move again. Yeah. We, there isn't that same pressure that there used to be. They used to say making a wrong pick at the quarterback position. Hurt you for 10 round, years. Yeah, hurt you for, at a minimal of five years and up to 10 years. Exactly right. Uh, that's that's not the mentality anymore. Even so much so, like we talked about at the top of the show, there's even rumors about the New York Giants. The New York Giants. Do you remember that game against the Buccaneers? What was that last um, year? A week yes. Two? Danny <laughs> Dimes. Danny we thought Dimes. That he was going to be hailed the, the king of New York, the best New York athlete since Jeter, right? He was going to have the keys to the town. Very funny that it's only been, what, six, seven months, and there are rumors about maybe taking another quarterback. So that's how quickly things change in the NFL. And, and, and this is a, a draft where you mentioned after – Burrow, it's a, it's question marks. It's Tua, it's Herbert. People are interested in love, maybe. They're, they seem like kind of like the next wave. But this is a... I would rather go for a next wave type guy in the latter... I think you, you know, mentioned Fromm, right? As yeah. Like, I like a little Rome. bit. Like, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think... Like, I don't... I'm not really a Herbert fan. I, and I've seen some things and I've looked back that like he was kind of not... Um, he didn't benefit from... from his play calling the last couple of years, and that maybe it could have been a little bit better. I just name is a good Oregon quarterback since Dan Fouts, well, it, and not and not you even know? like and, and let's just say for whatever you know, different Oregon team, different what players, different whatever. He just didn't scare me. Like as someone who who watches a lot of Pac-12 football and who who is a USC fan, he's not like some terrifying quarterback that, that, I, and he, you know, I, I played a lot of Oregon games last year, um, like for them against them different times. It's just, I don't know. He did. He didn't do it for me. Um, you know, there, there's the word that there's a lot of really bad tape out there on love. He didn't seem like he took a step forward now again. And anyone in the right situation can be a little different. None of these guys. Wow me. I mean, and so maybe that's where people are, are going to still say, Hey, I guess if things go right with Tua if if he does get healthy, he probably still has more upside than everybody here except for Burrow um, from a quarterback standpoint. It's just, or like you mentioned, are you willing to spend one of those really, really valuable, you know, probably top of the, the first round draft picks on a question mark? Exactly right. And if Jordan Love, it would for me, it would have to be in the second round. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we've been, we've be been hearing like Hurts sneaking into the bottom of the first round, and it's like I never thought he was even like 
an like a real NFL quarterback to me. He seems like maybe like more of a backup type or like an okay quarterback. Like I've been hearing like the the Hurts comparisons to Lamar Jackson, and, and I'm just like, really? I don't know about that. I don't. Ten see years that. ago, Hurts would have been one of those guys that they're talking about converting him to wide receiver once he gets to the NFL. Absolutely, that's the type of athlete that we're talking about. And uh, you know, I don't know if if just because in this day and age we're willing to give. More opportunities to those type of really athletic guys at the quarterback position than we used to. That it necessarily means that that's the right thing to do. No, no. You know, it's just not, because not there's a willingness case, to do it, right? I don't think that's the right call to make. It's very rare that any of these type of guys pan out. You know, it's to me, it's kind of like like taking a catcher and converting him to a relief pitcher while he's in the minors. When and and it, it, it sometimes works out. It doesn't always work out. And you got to, uh, you got to look. I think you have to look at each one individually, right? Like some of the ones that have worked out at least a little bit, or maybe look like they have the opportunities to. Lamar has really, really improved his passing over the last couple of years. He's he's really, really improved that since like getting to the NFL. Um, even um, Kyler Murray, like he is a very good passer too. Like th- these aren't like just runners these are like a little bit different and i don't know if that is who hurts is i don't i i don't think he is i'm gonna make a prediction here which is that one of when we look back five years from now one of the quarterbacks that's taken as a priority free agent an undrafted free agent from this year's group will have outdone one of the quarterbacks taken in the first and second round this year and it, it happens almost every year. Happens almost. So it's really not a. Uh, and, but, ooh, but, but, wow, like what this a great year, prediction! No, but, but like this but year, it really in particular, is the case. We don't. It. It's even more because when you don't love the ones up top, it's just it. It's never worth taking a high pick on something you don't love, right? This is like to me. This is like very apt comparison to horse racing where it's like I hear people are always like, yeah, I mean that horse is like two to one. I don't really like it. I just don't want him to beat me. It's like don't use him. Don't use him. Don't pet him. Like, don't just throw a horse in because he's the favorite. If you don't like him, don't waste your money. Don't spend on him. In the long run, you're better off doing that. Exactly and right. It's very similar. It's just don't don't overspend on someone unless you really, really like them. And if you really, really like someone, you're going to be wrong. Sometimes that's fine. You just have to trust your ability. Like, you have to trust your analysis. You have to trust exactly. your, like, the work that you put in. And here's the thing, you know, in this draft – I think the ones that are going to do the best are the uh, the teams that are going to do the best are the teams that take the least risks. Yep. Okay. And we know that there's 10, yeah, there's 10 wide receivers in this draft that are going to be first or, you know, up till the middle of the second round. Mm -hmm. Four offensive tackles that look like they could be premier tackles in the league. You have a great group of uh, defensive down linemen this year, you know, probably about seven or eight that are Mm -hmm. first, second rounders. Uh, You know, the, the linebacker position is fairly deep at the top end of the draft. You probably are 9, 10 deep in terms of starters. And I was having this conversation the other day. To me, what makes a good draft isn't necessarily that you have guys with this huge upside. To me, it's you want to find starters in the league. Well, and even- you know, the Miami Dolphins with their three picks, if they're going to use all three picks this year, what you hope for is three starters, one of them being Pro Bowl caliber the next two starting for you for the next 36 to 48 months. If you have that, 
you probably have had a pretty good draft. Anything beyond that's bonus. But there's no guarantees with this stuff, Gino. There are, and, and it's interesting because there could be no running backs taken in the first round, but there's actually some really quality running backs. It's just because the way the position has shifted a little bit in the NFL, like you could you could get players that can absolutely step in right now and help you in the third, fourth, fifth round backs out there. There are some legitimately good backs, but it's just the, the way this this particular class is you mentioned where the strengths are and so the the you won't see a whole lot of backs going early but you might start to see a run of backs in like the middle of the second round yeah look i, I think that between rounds four and undrafted free agency this year is going to produce several pro bowl running backs in that window guys like that like so, is so like why, Moss why from utah so why, you know he's legit like there's yeah. the guy from ucla can catch the ball out of the backfield a little bit too i mean there's at least players that right now can step in are going to step in next year and be fantasy players we we see it each and every year too so sure. um it, look if you want a big back you know you want that big back got a lot of weight on him you know, be able go to get Fournette. A goal line situation. Well, yeah, sure. <laughs> but I mean, from true. But I mean, from this upcoming draft, yeah, okay, go for Jonathan Taylor. That's sure. But I mean, Swift, 5'8", you know, uh, the guy from LSU that can't pronounce his last name, Hilaire or whatever, 5'7". Uh, you know, J.K. Dobbins, you know, I think he's he's a, a nice playmaker. You know, 5'9 is probably right about the cutoff. Emmett Smith was about 5'9". I'm good with that. But overall, you could probably find somebody who's going to do just as well, like a Scotty Phillips from Mississippi, Darius Anderson from TCU. And you could get those guys around six, round seven, undrafted free agency. Like I said, I bet you four or five years from now, when you're looking at the pro bowlers from the 2020 class at the running back position, it's going to be these type of guys that aren't at the top end of the draft board. So that just goes to your point, Gino, which is, Maybe there will, maybe there won't be any first-rounders. It'll probably be Taylor. But if not, I wouldn't fret. If I'm a fan of a team that needs running back, that has a need at the running back position, you could fill that anywhere in this draft. I would go for one of the premier players before I would go for a running back. With that said, Gino, let's take our final commercial break. I know you wanted to talk a little bit of baseball. You had some... Thoughts about the uh, commissioner's <laughs> office decision about the Red Sox. And then we'll also tie up this draft a little bit, leading you up to 5 p.m. We are at the 20-minute mark before we get to the very beginning of the first round of the 2020 NFL draft. Stay with us. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Racers and Rental Cars is the program for wannabe pro racers and those interested in the racing profession and automotive industry. Join hosts Cameron Ferre and Don O'Neill as they take you behind the scenes with previews and review for race day. It's about the business as well as the fun. We've got the scoop, the guests, the discussion, and the WTF moments. All you need to do is bring your ears. Racers and Rental Cars heard every Saturday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. 
Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune into All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Mondays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Well, we are closing it up here on the Mike Abadir Show. We're just about uh, 15, 20 minutes away from the start of the NFL Draft. But we did get some MLB news recently. Uh, just yesterday was announced that the Red Sox cheated, but only kind of cheated. So they got a second round draft pick stripped, and that's one of their video operators is basically the guy who did everything. Nobody else was involved. It was this one mastermind. He's the genius that did it all. It was not anything to do with the guy who developed all of this cheating on the Astros team the year before, and he had nothing to do with anything. Um, so that that's what went down yesterday, I guess, from the Red Sox. Okay, so first of all, any listener to our show will know that I'm not surprised because I told you guys back in January, and remember you even told me, Gina, well, we'll have to wait and see. And I told you, listen, they what they did was very mild and they're not going to get heavily but, penalized. But, wait, but then when it compared, happened, wait, it mild compared to the Astros, it's not mild in that it's not cheating because it's funny. The only thing that they said was what they cheated. I think I saw something that was like, oh, it was about 19% of their at-bats. What? So, like, they said they only cheated when there's someone on second base. Okay, so, like, the most important part of the game, when there's a runner in scoring position. So, you know, only in the fourth quarter was when we cheated. Only when it really mattered. That's the, the there's whole there's thing. partial truths to that, but there's more to the story. So, that's 19% of at-bats at home games where this could have possibly happened. It's not that it happened on 19% of it. So what they're saying is, okay, this scenario only happens at home. Okay, we, we agree on that right. part. Real and quick, it if it happens at, home, at 1% it happen, of games, isn't that too much? 1%. Well, okay, but let's, let's just go through the progression. So it could only happen at home. And when it's at home, the only scenario See, where this it comes conversation up, is already this, the wrong conversation to have. Well, because no, you, but, wouldn't, but, you wouldn't be the, doing this if I'm you were in a Red Sox you, fan. You'd just be why. like, they cheated. They cheated, on, like, like we did with the Astros. Work with so you're that. trying really too hard to stick up for them. That's the problem because well, Gina, when you start this off by making accusations that you are based on not facts, but what, just what did I like, say that wasn't a fact? What did Pura. I say that wasn't a fact? Pura. So you're saying, oh well, the mastermind. You're basically impugning him based on what he did from the year before. So just, you're making so this assumption. He was the mastermind. From I said he didn't do anything this year, but he did it all that year. If, if people can actually believe, if you really believe that that happened, then I can, I'm like. Okay, let me finish the progression because I'm dying to get it out. And then I'll address that. So with the progression that I'm talking about is, so in 
there was 19% of home at bats where you had a runner on second base. However, what's being lost in the equation is what this video, video guy came up with was so confusing that there was only two guys that were ever able to even get on the same page with it. Like, that's why when you look at the home and road splits, there really wasn't a big differential. In fact, there were more home runs hit on the road than at home. The Red Sox, their, the road wins for the Red Sox as a team was better than any home record in Major League Baseball this, outside this of the Yankees. Because this, this is one of the problems that you, like, you and the Red Sox fans and the the Pete like the Astros fans they take it personally that we're saying that like your team doesn't have good players or they probably wouldn't have won the the thing that sucks is that's what bothers me more about it is they would have probably won without all of this crap so the fact that they did it makes them even worse like more scumbags to me because you but didn't need to do though, that you know it's not so, that there's anybody sticking it personally it's a matter of there were two guys on the team i'd like to know who by the way that I don't know. Again, though, it's and I like tried it's, getting it's, it out of my buddy, it, but he wouldn't tell me. But cheating doesn't matter if it works. It just matters that you cheat. Like Unless it doesn't. If you're a bad a cheater, it's not our fault that it doesn't work or that it didn't work. It just matters that you tried to take not you, the the Astros, the, the the Red Sox, you as as a team or the steroids players or the whoever players, you tried to take an advantage. You tried to take a shortcut. You sure. try, even if it didn't work. But the whole so it doesn't does. matter they how much it worked or not. It, it should just be you cheated. Now you, how, it, you tarnished your whole season when you cheated. Gina, you tarnished all, everything. The whole Major League Baseball cheats. They just use some but technology they don't. to help we, them. We, haven't, we don't. How come we don't know about all? We know that the Astro, the Red Sox cheated in 2017 with the watches. They got told if they do anything else again, if this was the first time they'd ever cheated, then I could, then I could sort of – Feel it with you too, but the organization had already been warned them specifically. No, they no, said, when I say the whole league anything, cheats, I'm, I mean like stealing signs. That's what well, we're talking. Sure, about. but we're not talking about every person. Like every team had not been specifically warned, like they had. Every team did not think there was something going on with the Red Sox and the Astros. Like they don't. We don't hear this about the Dodger. I'm not saying this as a Dodger fan. We don't hear this about the Angels. We don't hear this about the Royals. You know what I mean? Like we hear it about a certain few teams. There's a reason. It's and it's because the players all know they try to tell MLB about it, but MLB doesn't want their their like mainstream big franchises looking like cheaters. They don't want everyone out there knowing that the Red Sox and the Astros and the Yankees or whoever not the I don't even know about the Yankees, but any teams that have been successful in winning, even if it was the Dodgers, right? If the Dodgers were cheating, I'm sure they would have done the same exact thing to the Dodgers. I, I just can't believe what I'm hearing. I can't believe how many people have this holier than thou attitude about it with respect to the teams they root for versus the other teams. Listen, it's this a, is it's an MLB give me an analogy. It's not a Red Sox to me. It's not as much Hold a problem. Hold on, Gina. I let you talk. As it let is me about let you baseball. finish. Baseball Gino. made it okay to cheat. Like, why Gino, would no? Let me get a word in. Let me get a word in edgewise. If this is completely analogous to an NFL team, the league saying we're going to turn a blind eye to a team trying to uh, cheat or to look over another team's shoulder to get the playbook, to get their plays. However, we just don't allow you to take a photograph of it. So the, whole league, the whole league, so the whole league is looking at the other team's playbooks. This happens all the time. However, one team decided to violate the rule and take a snapshot of it. Really? That's really what's pissing you off? The whole league steals signs, man. It's when this it's one team just happened to use technology to do it. It doesn't make it to me like it's because it's banned 
Band the world band has changed. Really. In 2017, they told all of baseball ah, now everything has changed. Technology has changed. We're cracking down. If anybody does this again, we're going to crack down on you. So they've you already given everybody the signs is okay with one with one method versus the other. It is though because the the problem that you, it, I don't like any cheating. So if if anytime we for sure know that there's been cheating going on, it's different than like what you're saying is. Well, there's probably cheating going on all over with people picking up signs. Decoding a sign on your own from second base, sharing that information with your team is way different than having somebody else monitoring it with a camera and decoding it. That's a completely different story. It's not the same. It's not cheating. It's, so it's if the cheating, third base coach does it, cool. Yeah, if the if video he's doing guy it with does his it, own not- eye, with his naked eye, yes, because this happens in dude, in basketball. Rajon Rondo calls out the other team's plays when they come across the court. He knows that. He knows what upsets everybody runs. That's not cheating. You know, like th- that's just being prepared. It's different when you're using an outside source. There's somebody else that's taking the time to help you do it when it's not supposed to be done. There's a reason, man, and it's just. I guarantee you, you weren't sticking up for the Astros the way you're sticking up for the Red Sox. And it was, you're say, that was hugely, hugely different. It, but this the, was from the top down. This was an organization thing. Out the whole in a team month was doing it. Banging on garbage cans. That was like an orchestrated conspiracy thing. Here we're talking about it ultimately came down to two guys who you, you, as, you, as had this you system. You honestly really believe that. You really, in your heart of hearts, you believe that the MLB – the same, the same t- people that did not even know all of the stuff that was going on in the Astros. Because remember, the reason why we found out about the Astros, it wasn't because of the MLB investigation. It was because of the report from the Athletic and the report and because Mike Fires blew the whistle. It wasn't because what MLB was investigating. As far as Which we are exactly concerned, why there were no they- buzzers. They didn't tell us anything about trash cans. They didn't tell us any of that crap from the MLB. We found that out from others. So this is my point. We're believing people who don't want any scandal out there. You think the MLB wants to, people to know that the Red Sox, who have won the probably the most successful baseball team in the last 20 years, were really, really cheating? Even if they were, they would not have said it. That's my point. And so I don't... How do we believe an organization... That has already been very incompetent, and then how do like in the MLB, a, a commissioner who called the, the MLB trophy a piece of metal or whatever he called it, like that's the problem, and it's the same problem that I have with horse racing. It's I mean, because he why, made a slip why, up. Why do I believe I mean. these people? Why do I? Why am I supposed to believe people who have lied to me, bullshitted me, and told me that you know cheating is okay? Here's why: because first of all, we don't want to get your a, a Mike Fires a Mike Fires situation again. Right. So it, happen, at this though, point now, few months, it would have to be such a large scale. It. It'd have to be such a large scale conspiracy to tell everybody to stay quiet and then hope that when somebody's traded or released or goes to another team, they's going to stay quiet. I think at this point it's self-policed. So I don't think at this point there's any need to do that in terms of Cora, by the way, because I was asked that question. Well, why if Cora was the mastermind, why would he all of a sudden now be like a saint? It's not a matter of being saints, but when you're responsible for the entire organization, you sometimes step up because that responsibility is so heavy, you don't want to let the team down. So is that selfish, what he did to his other manager can that I, he reported to? Absolutely. I want to live in is your world, a, man. You live in the rosiest. Like, you live in a world of all roses and flowers and everything is great. Like Everything is so positive. And it's unfortunate that that's not the real world. Like These guys are not good guys. I'm not saying they're bad, but, but they were cheating. So you're really bothered by two guys 
the two guys that did this, I see, I would have a big issue with this if I saw that there were any dif- differences, statistically speaking, and in baseball, you will be exposed. If there were differences in road splits, well, what if, happened the next if year? There was any differentials? <laughs> you guys just no, no. We're talking about within the same year. Life next year. We're talking about the same within the same years. How well, you no, evaluate? But that's my point. Is that it's my my whole thing is I mean, that like, is like saying like if Bellinger has a down year this year, that Bellinger was on roids last year. No, you can't see. It's all within the course of one season. Well, it's within hard though season. because like when when you start. When you're doing it at the beginning and things go well for you, that changes the season, man. Like that yeah, changes you would tank your on the players' road, you confidence know? are better. Like your players that are getting more hits now, they're more confident when they go up to bat. Their average is a little bit better. Once they're again, not pressing. They've won more games. There's a lot less thing. pressure. See, dude, yeah, this if it is, was a team-wide thing, I would understand. We're I would be saying the same guys. thing if this was the Dodgers, and I'd be embarrassed. And I would be saying, you know what, like. I'm embarrassed because this is how I've been with horse racing in the last 20 years. Because if th- that you was told my me it was two Dodger players because and nobody else understood it. They they abandoned it. They didn't do it. It's two Dodger players that had a sophisticated sign stealing scheme. I would say there's no way, and that the whole anybody team else. Is, I would I'd say like, there's eh. bull. For me, I'd I would like, say eh. there's no, no way that two players on a baseball team only know that, and nobody no, no, else no, knows. No. And, and, and others are involved. For sure. it. it would bother me. It would. And, I, and I've been the same way. Like, I lost a lot of respect for a lot of people I know that cheated and that, that have, like, taken a lot of shortcuts. It's just because, it, mainly because I have always been someone who has never been as talented, as big, as strong, as fast. I had to work my ass off in sports, in handicapping the races, and everything just to compete. And so when I see people that take shortcuts, it bothers me because I know there are a lot of people out there that are like me that aren't as good naturally. They don't have as much talent, but that try to do it on the up and up. And I'm not perfect. I've done some st- stupid stuff in my day, but it, it, it like I've always romanticized sports. I love baseball. I love the records. I love the numbers. I love it all. And it, it as someone who like has made sports and covering sports my life. It hurts my feelings when I see yeah, this stuff, yet, and it sounds yet, it sounds so you sad, love but it baseball does. so much, and it's it is the sport that has had the most cheating, known and unknown in history it, of it American professional sports. 100%. It's part of it. It's a part of the game. You get caught, you move but, on. But I'm supposed to, to me, like that. That means just, if I like that, that means I am okay with cheating. In I baseball, like you know, the they've, game they've had and the not be okay if you're with not cheating. cheating. You're not trying. That's always been baseball's adage. Not, it's, when it's, you it's, get caught, you move on. You still try to win doing other things. Try to find like, an edge doing other things. To me, I think it's more of a non-story when it's two guys. I can move on from that. But we're about to wrap fan. this up. Because we might have to take this on in uh, I mean, in, I, in I'm going to play. Like, that was like that was some dancing, man. That was some good dancing. That was some Ted dancing right there is what it was. You know, yeah. I'd be happy to continue it next week. But just to conclude with the NFL draft that's about to start here, any wild predictions, anything that you hope as a Rams fan that you see? Uh, we got about 30 seconds left. I th- I'd love to see the Patriots just grab a quarterback. I'd love to see them grab a few one of these guys and, and maybe like signal that this is a guy that they like because then everybody will start to think, Wow, is is love the next guy? Is uh is hurts the next guy? Is they're gonna be filling in for Brady? To me, that would just be a great narrative. I'd love to see them grab a quarterback sometime in the first round or maybe early second round. Two intriguing storylines that I'm gonna look out for. What do the Raiders do with the Khalil Mack picks? Let's see how they uh they are able to justify making that trade. Does it look good in the aftermath? And what about all these teams that don't have first round picks? Do they trade in? Do they make the best of what they've got? It'd be fascinating stuff, Gino. Really quickly. I will be on with All Access Football, 8.30 p.m. tonight, nice. Pacific Time. 
to go out over the first round. We'll send out a link. Thank you for listening. We'll see you same time, same place next week. Enjoy the draft, everyone. Thanks for joining us this week for the Mike Abadir Show. Please tune in again next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time and 4 p.m. Pacific Time for another show with Mike and his co-host, Gino Bacola, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a great week.